Lord, we just uh, pray that you would give us focus, that as we take time to to look at your word, um, that nothing that has happened just there or even just today um, would take us away from what your word uh, clearly says. So we pray that you speak to us in great power, Jesus. Uh, we invite you here to, to minister to us through the work of your Holy Spirit. And we pray, Lord, that we would be changed and challenged by what is shared uh, through your word. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Okay, so uh, today we're finishing our fruitful series. Um, we've spent the last nine weeks examining all the different aspects of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. Uh, this week we're finishing on gentleness, the fruit of gentleness. Uh, what immediately comes to mind when you think of this word, as you think of this this fruit, this characteristic of being someone who is gentle. What comes to mind? Um, is it something that you would associate yourself with? Would you recognise yourself as someone who is gentle? Um, do you see gentleness in a positive or negative sense? Do you see it as a strength or a weakness? These are all questions I want us to be thinking about as we take time to look at what God's Word has to say to us. Um, it's very easy for us to understand gentleness based upon what society says and not what God's word uh, says to us in a very clear and direct way. So let us just be open to what God has to say through his word and the power of his spirit. The Greek word for gentleness, that will be up on the screen for us, is praotes. Praotes. And some words closely associated with gentleness in the Greek include moderation, humility, courtesy, and mildness. Uh, gentleness is all about considering God and it's all about considering the other person. So as we engage with people, God calls us to be gentle because he is gentle with us. But we need to have a, an awareness, a consciousness of God in those moments and also of that particular person and the situations and circumstances that they face. It's not easy being gentle, let's be honest about it. Sometimes there's moments where we have a temptation to be harsh with our words, to be very direct and cutting. Some people are more gentle than others. Um, I think we can all agree it is only through a sustaining work of God that we can be gentle men and women. And the reality is that apart from God, we can do nothing. We cannot produce the fruit of gentleness. We can't produce any of the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Apart from God, it is impossible. Otherwise, we're just trying to work on our own flesh, on our own strength. So just hold that thought. We need God's power uh, in our lives. I had an interesting moment uh, in preparation for this week's sermon. Um, what I tend to do as part of my preparation uh, is to look at key words relating to a particular text. And I use... This online program, it looks at the Greek and the Hebrew and it just helps you get a, a clearer picture as to what the passage uh, is all about. So I've been using this program and to be honest, it's okay. It's not the best, it's free, so can't complain. Um, but it doesn't really give me everything I wanted uh, from it. Uh, I remembered this week, uh, back in the good old days and before Denison, um, I used to have this thing called Logos. Um, Logos is basically the theological version of a Mitchell library in your computer. Um, it has so many commentaries, so many Bibles, so much resource. 
Um, it's incredible. Uh, when I was ordained as a minister at Caldwell Baptist in East Kilbride, the lovely church that they were uh, gave this as a gift to me. Um, the only problem is I've got a laptop uh, from 1997, so it was really struggling to maintain all this information. It would take, it would take me about 15 minutes just to open the programme. Uh, and so I just kind of left it. Um, it was just so hard to open up. It was actually reversing my sanctification just because <laughs> the frustration I had when I was trying to open this and run it. Um, so I was using this free online, this free online study uh, this week and then I thought to myself, I used to have Logos. I remember after half an hour of, of opening it up how useful it was and how beneficial it was to me. And then I asked the question, why did I stop using that? And then I remembered it's my computer that I've got. Um, and then I thought to myself, I wonder if I try it on my phone, it'll work. Um, so I downloaded the app, it turns out that as my computer has basically just stayed the same in terms of its technological ability, my phone has upgraded every couple of years. And so my computer, my phone is much more powerful than my computer. Um, and I found incredibly that I had easy access to all of the Logos resource and it worked so well, it was so smooth. Um, and what's annoying me is that I've had this phone for a while now, I've had it for basically a year and a half, nearly two years, and it's just now that I'm downloading Logos, so I could have used it for a long period of time. So this resource was easily available to me, and yet I kept using this free online app on my computer. And I honestly do feel that this is what's going on with many of us this morning when it comes to our relationship with the Holy Spirit. Um, we're old computer Christians, we're not smartphone Christians. We tend to just r sort of settle for the indwelling of the Spirit and we don't pursue the infilling of God's Spirit. We don't experience the fullness that is available to us. God has given us a tremendous power, an opportunity to rely upon Him in every single situation and season of life. And yet we settle for second best. We choose to pursue something that is not the best for us. Uh, C.S. Lewis was right when he said, and the quote will be up on the screen for us, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition, when infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. So this notion of a holiday at sea is really a picture of our relationship with God the Holy Spirit. God wants to give us so much through the person of the Holy Spirit in our lives and yet we choose to settle for second best. We resort to something that is mediocre when God has incredible things for us through his ministry and through the ways in which he works in our hearts and in our minds. Galatians 5 uh, Paul directs us towards what this looks like. It's a life in which we are walking in the Spirit. And he also directs us towards each one of us being a people who are led by the Spirit. So he calls us to walk in the Spirit. He calls us to being led by the Spirit. And he also shows us the importance of living by the Spirit. And the absolute necessity for us to keep in step with the Spirit. These are four different descriptions, but they point to this dynamic relationship that we have with God. We are constantly open and listening and receptive to the ways in which God wants to lead us. If you want fullness of life today, 
then you need a deep and dependent relationship with the Holy Spirit. Let me say that again. If you want fullness of life today, you need a deep and dependent relationship with the Holy Spirit. Apart from Him, you can do nothing. Absolutely nothing. We cannot live the lives that God calls us to unless we have that reliance upon Him. There's only two options for us. It's living in the flesh or living in the Spirit. Which one are we going to choose today? So with that as our foundation, let's turn to Galatians 5, starting in verse 22. And this morning, I'm just going to continue on, beyond chapter 5, into chapter 6, and right up until verse 10. Um, because what we read following on from this list is actually an unpacking and an explanation of the fruit of gentleness. So as we go into chapter 6, we'll see a very clear example of the fruit of gentleness, what Paul commissions the church in Thessalonica to do. So turn with me to Galatians 5.22, reading from the CSB, Christian Standard Bible. The words are going to be up on the screen. If you want a paper copy, uh, there's some up at the back there for you as well. Uh, so Paul writes these words for us. Uh, Roman, uh, Galatians 5 and verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. The law is not against such things. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. And in chapter 6, Brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, restore such a person, person with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourselves, so that you also won't be tempted carry one another's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone considers himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Let each person examine his own work, and, and then he can take pride in himself alone, and not compare himself with someone else. For each person will have to carry his own load. So let's just stop there at verse 5. I know I said up to 10, but I think it's just helpful for us to stop at verse 5. Uh, I want to begin by thinking of gentleness uh, as a way of admonishing, as a way of connecting someone, applying gentleness and correction together. Uh, a number of years ago, I went to Belfast uh, with some friends to a Christian men's conference. Um, the conference at that particular time had arguably the most famous uh, preacher and it had a well-known worship leader uh, leading the entire session, the entire time. Um, as we got to the end of the conference, what was the fourth teaching session, this preacher uh, closed the entire day by telling us, a, telling us a story of how he dealt with a particular situation pastorally. Uh, the situation was him sitting down with a dad uh, and his daughter, and he was looking to support them both. Um, in summary, the dad was not protecting his daughter as he ought to. And so this pastor was brought in to provide insight and really guidance as to what to do. And as he was sharing his own story, we discovered very quickly that the pastor's response was to go absolutely ballistic at the dad. But he didn't just explain that he went ballistic, he reenacted this moment at the conference. And it basically meant that he shouted as loud and as aggressively as possible in front of everyone who was gathered there at the weekend. 
he used the exact same words he used to the dad. And I was sitting in the front row with my friends. Um, my friend had sinuses and they all disappeared when he reenacted this just because of the, the sheer force and volume. Uh, the worship leader then got up to lead in a time of singing and he looked visibly shaken by all that had just happened in, the, in these last few moments. He was in a state of shock. And honestly, I've never heard someone shout like that uh, before. I walked away from that conference just kind of thinking that wasn't quite right. It wasn't right what the dad had done in terms of neglecting his daughter. But in equal measure, it wasn't right that this pastor reacted in that way. And it wasn't right that he then reenacted this particular moment. Especially in front of so many young men. There was many, many people at this conference and many young men who were a part of it. And it really just kind of showed how proud this pastor was of this particular moment. And it wasn't right because you don't find this in the list of fruits in Galatians chapter 5. In fact, it's on the, the opposite list, the works of the flesh, outbursts of anger. And it's so contrary to gentleness, so contrary to what Paul instructs the Galatian believers to do in chapter 6 of our passage. So let's read again what Paul writes when it comes to admonishing someone to correcting someone in their sin. It's not what this preacher did. Verse 1, brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, so for example, the one, I, the one I gave, a dad who's not protecting his daughter, you who are spiritual, restore such a person with a gentle spirit. There's that fruit there, gentleness. We see this spiritual fruit right in front of us. So we don't shout, we don't lambast people because of our sin. No, we speak the truth, but we do so in love. We do so with a consideration of the other person, with a desire to see them restored. And this is quite unusual for our world because people in our society and our culture are constantly lambasting one another. So it's contrary to what our world do, what our world does, but God calls us to be faithful to him, to be faithful to his word and to carry this spirit of gentleness. Paul continues, watching out for yourselves so that you also won't be tempted. Carry one another's burdens and this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone considers himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. You know, I think what Paul is getting at here is this, just in this last part. Who are you to think that you don't need to be gentle when you're admonishing people, when you're correcting someone? If you choose not to be gentle, instead choosing to be angry in your correction of others, then your heart is imitating verse 3. Your heart is telling you that you think you're someone when the reality is you're nothing, you're nobody. Understand this morning that you are nothing, that I am nothing. And we're nothing because we are sinners. We are in need of God's constant grace in our lives. This morning you can receive love and grace through God, through his work on the cross, through his resurrection from the dead. If we believe in our hearts that Jesus is Lord and we declare with our mouth that God raised him from the dead, then we will be saved. At Denison Baptist Church, we believe as a family that we are nothing. And yet God in his mercy did not treat us as our sins deserved. We chose to be separate from God and so we experienced eternal condemnation and wrath. And yet God responded to that by showing his love. 
by showing his mercy. God sent his son Jesus to die in our place for our sins. That's incredible news. That should cause us to then respond with gentleness towards other people. You know, we were rejoicing last Sunday because Paul and TJ were commissioned as elders within the life of the church. And it was a, a joyous occasion, a real sense of God working through that time. And we were also rejoicing after the service when Craig and Tracy gave our life to the Lord. They made a decision to respond in faith to all that God had done for them. And Craig and Tracy have both recognised what many of us have recognised in our lives. That we are lost. We need God. We need his grace. We need his mercy. And this is really at the heart of what it looks like to be someone who is gentle. First and foremost, it is someone who carries an accurate picture of God and an accurate picture of themselves. And flowing out of that is gentleness. Uh, Gordon Fee, uh, speaking about the spiritual fruit of gentleness, uh, said this, and it'll be up on the screen for us, whatever else, it carries the sense of humility. In other words, a proper estimation of oneself over against God and considerateness towards others. So as Fee notes, when you have an accurate picture of God, of who he is, and who you are, then you carry humility in your heart because you see life for what it really is. You have an accurate picture of who God is and who you are. And when that happens, the gospel becomes real. The spirit is at work in your life. Faith occurs. You start to live out in faith and respond in obedience. And gentleness is displayed. So my point, and I'm just going to keep saying it again and again, when you understand the gospel, when you really do, head and heart, get what Jesus has done for you, when you see how gentle he has been towards you, how can you produce anything apart from gentleness? The reality of God rescuing you from your sin and saving you from eternal damnation through the finished work of Jesus will drive you, it will just propel you to the spiritual fruit of gentleness. Because you realise it is God who is working in you and not you trying to work it out yourself. You know, I had this moment where I was just really angry about a particular situation in my week and I, I find myself just, it's probably the same for yourselves, but you can easily just go over over and over and over it again and again in your head and just dwell on it. And I was just, it was almost like a light bulb moment. I suddenly realised there's absolutely no point in me trying to fix this in my mind and my own strength through the work of my own flesh. I need God's spirit. I need to fix my eyes off of this situation and fix my eyes upon Jesus and rely upon the power of the Holy Spirit for this particular situation. And it was incredible as I just started worshipping God, just singing of who he is and what he has done for me. All this anger just disappeared. And I do believe there was a spirit of gentleness in my heart towards all that was going on. So how would it not? How could you admonish in anger when you think of all that God has done for you? As you truly heart knowledge stuff here, as you truly get all that God has done for you, how can you then respond by admonishing in anger? Surely it pushes you towards correction and correction with gentleness. Look at how Isaiah describes the way in which God works in us and for us. When we are under his care, Isaiah says, 
save the Lord God comes with strength and his power establishes his rule. His wages are with him and his reward accompanies him. He protects his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them in the fold of his garment. He gently leads those that are nursing. So we are nursing. We are learning. We are growing in the things of God. We're constantly making mistakes and yet God is constantly gently leading us so that we might become more and more like Jesus. So that's the first thing I want us to think about. Gentleness as a way of admonishing, as a way of correcting someone else. And I want us then to move on to thinking about gentleness as a way of encouragement, as a way of building someone up. Now don't misunderstand gentleness as encouragement, as being this kind of half-hearted thing. You know, if people do something gently, then the impression you can sometimes get from our culture is we're not given their absolute all. If you do something or you say something in, in a gentle way, you can almost kind of understand it as being this sort of half-heartedness. But when we talk about encouragement and gentleness, we don't mean that at all. We're talking about love. If you encourage and you carry gentleness in your encouragement, you're doing so out of a deep love for that particular person. This is what we see in First Thessalonians in chapter 2 and in verses 1 to 12. Paul here speaks of gentleness, the gentleness that he had for the believers in Thessalonica as a means of building them up, as a means of strengthening their faith, of encouraging them. And so let's just go through a few verses in this passage in verses 1 to 12. A number of lessons here for us that we can learn and we can grow in our walk with Jesus as we think about gentleness as a means of encouragement. So verse 1, Paul says, For you yourselves know, brothers and sisters, that our visit with you was not without result. It was productive. It was fruitful. God really stepped in and worked in great might and power. There was tremendous evidences of God's presence and power within the church in Thessalonica. And hopefully at the end of this week, the team in Prattville can say the same. But it wasn't without result that God stepped in in great might and power as we have connected with so many families within our community. And then if we move on, if we skip a few verses and move on to verse 7, and it'll be up on the screen for us, we start to see something of the results that Paul is speaking of here. The evidence of God's grace, the results. Although we could have been a burden as Christ's apostles, instead we were gentle among you as a nurse nurtures, nurtures her own children. As a nurse nurtures her own children. So there's allusions here to that passage in Isaiah. This sense, this picture of nursing, a mother nursing her child. And we know that when a mother nurses her child, it's one-way traffic. It's the life of the mum being poured into the life of the child. As God pours his life into Paul, Paul is pouring his life, or Paul did pour his life into the church in Thessalonica. As God continues to spiritually nurse you, who are you nursing spiritually? As God has poured his life into you, who are you pouring your life into? As God has gently encouraged you, who are you, in Jesus' name, gently encouraging for the sake of the kingdom? 
or for two or three names that automatically come to mind as you think of these questions. Who are you investing in for the sake of Jesus so that they might become faithful to him? They might know Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. Maybe this morning nobody comes to mind. Maybe your life has just been so busy or you've just been so preoccupied with the things of the world that you can't think of anyone. What I want to do this morning is just create some space for us, just for us to take a few moments to stop and just to be still and to listen to what God has to say to us. So you may think of two or three names. This is your opportunity to pray for them. But you might not think of anyone. This is your opportunity to ask God because I don't believe there's no one in your life who doesn't need spiritual investment, spiritual nursing. So let's just take a moment for us to personally within ourselves pray and ask God to reveal or to help us as we think of those who need our help, who need our spiritual support and that we might be lights and witnesses to them. Lord, we thank you for your gentle encouragement in our hearts and minds. Uh, we thank you for the ways in which you minister to us. Oftentimes you do so in surprising ways. But often we know just how clear and direct and challenging you are to us. And Lord, we do pray for a mighty outpouring of your spirit upon each person who is here this morning. That we would be equipped and enabled and that we would be determined to connect with those who don't know you. Help us to be spiritual nurses. Help us to serve those who don't know you. And Lord, I pray that as we do so, we would see salvation. As we think of these names, as we have prayed for these names this morning, that you would work in great might and power in their lives. Lord, apart from you, we can do nothing. And so may we be vessels of, of the Holy Spirit. May you work in and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I love uh, what Paul writes in verse 8 uh, because it really does point us to this idea of gentleness and encouragement going hand in hand. This gentleness and encouragement being deeply rooted in love. So Paul says, We cared so much for you that we were pleased to share with you not only the gospel of God but also our own lives because you had become dear to us. Don't just read this verse and move on to the next verse. Take some time this week to really meditate on what Paul was doing here. And the kind of person that Paul was as well. Is this your WhatsApp messages in your week? You know, I care so much for you. Do you write that kind of message via text? Or do you say that kind of thing to the people you love, to the church family here? We cared so much for you. You had become dear to us. Don't let the intellect of Paul 
make you lose sight of the heart of Paul. You know, as you think of Paul, we often think of, of just his deep theological insight and the ways in which he was able to understand who God is, unlike any other person. And yet we see from this passage, more important to Paul was the love he had for God and the love that he had for people. This verse is bookended. On one end, we cared so, so much for you. And on the other end, you had become so dear to us. You know, I hope as your pastor and as an eldership team, the three of us can echo these words. You know, I believe, I hope we're heading in the right direction when it comes to being a picture of this verse, verse 8. My prayer is that we more and more would love you as a church family with all that we are. And if you don't feel like that, then speak to me at the end of the service. It's important that we have honesty, that there's, there's transparency, and that we as elders are supporting you guys as a church family. But it's not just us, it's the entire church family. We're all called to encourage. We're all called to minister. We're all called to serve and to be a part of the church body. So on one end, Paul says, we cared so much for you. On the other end, you have become so dear to us. And the meat is in the middle. The substance to these loving words, it's not just nice things that Paul is saying here. What Paul actually does is at the centre of this verse. They shared the gospel. And they shared their very lives. You know, the fruit of gentleness flourishes within a community when you're in that environment. When you live in a culture where the gospel is just part of normal conversation. It just becomes so natural for you to talk about the grace of God in your life. And the difference that God has made to your life in a particular day or situation that you faced. And there's a sharing, this kind of communal sharing of one another's lives. Where we sacrifice for one another out of a deep love for each other. Is that a picture of Denison Baptist Church? Do we sacrificially give to one another as a picture of the gospel and in the midst of our connections and our helpings and our serving? Is the gospel conversation just so natural to that? So that when non-Christians come into this church family, they see something different in what we say and in what we do. You know, it's not just gentleness. All of the fruits of the Holy Spirit flourish in that kind of community. And so we have a choice this morning. What kind of community will Denison Baptist Church be? Will it be a community of works? The works of the flesh? Or will it be a community of the fruits of the Spirit? As we've spent these last nine weeks thinking of all the different fruits, the challenge for us moving forward is, are we going to be dependent upon God? Or are we going to be dependent upon ourselves? You know, this week is a really important week for us. It's really a gathering of two different communities, the church community and then our wider community within Denison and beyond. Um, and it's going to culminate in next Sunday. We're going to have a, a worship service as normal and then we're going to have a community day straight after the worship service. There's going to be lunch and then a bouncy castle is going to be here and there's going to be just time for kids to have fun. Adults can maybe use it as well if you want. The question is... And all these connections, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, there's so many opportunities for us to connect with our community. For the church community here in Denison to connect with the wider community. And the question for us is, 
Are we going to be rooted in God? Are we going to be dependent on God? So much so that we share the gospel and our own lives. The question I want to ask you as we think of this week and as we look ahead to the weeks beyond that, are you anticipating, are you expecting follow-up from the families we make connections with? Are you expecting to sit down for a coffee or to have lunch or a meal with a family beyond this missions week? An anticipation of what God might do in and through you. We're all going to have opportunity to serve and to minister because it's happening every single day. We're all going to be here hopefully next Sunday. So I feel we need prayer this morning. We need to ask that God through his spirit would fill us afresh. We need more of his spirit in our lives for the week that lies ahead. So I'm going to ask you in a moment to stand. Uh, Not yet. If you're able, please stand. Uh, And I'm going to pray and ask that God would enable us as we go into this week. That God would commission us to go out and to serve as we think of Holiday Club, as we think of Esau Summer School. After we've done this together, we're going to sing. Um, And as we respond in song, you can respond in two other ways. Um, As we we sing together, the first way you can respond is to receive prayer. If there's space up at the back there, if you need prayer for anything, then do go to the back and we would minister. We would count it an absolute privilege to minister to you through prayer. An expectation of what God might do. So it could be a situation or circumstance. It could be you needing prayer for healing. Maybe you're, you're struggling with an illness or ailment. We're going to believe and pray and ask that God would step into those situations in your life. Maybe you want to give your life to Jesus for the first time. Again, come to the back and we'll pray for you. The second way you can respond is to take the bread and the cup. If you have faith in Jesus this morning, then come to the table and remember what it's all about. It's all about Jesus and his sacrifice for us. As you take that bread, break it and remember Christ's body that was given for you. And as you take that bread, then dip it into the cup and reflect upon his sacrifice for us. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. But Jesus has shed his blood for each one of us. And because of this, we can have life and life in all its fullness. So I would encourage you, if you have faith in Jesus this morning, to come to the table during the time of worship and to take the bread, to drink the cup, to remember and to rejoice in all that Christ has done for you. So can we stand, if you're able to, and let's just pray and ask that God would enable us as we go into this week. So let's pray. Lord, we we count it a privilege to be uh, on mission, and we we count it a joy to to really follow in the footsteps of many who have went before us in Deniston and in Glasgow, and who have been faithful witnesses to you. And we pray that in the power of your Holy Spirit, we would be gentle encouragers, to those who come along this week, to all the children who are a part of Holiday Club, to all the families that these children represent, to all of the learners and their families who come to this old summer school, we pray that we would shine Jesus to them. We pray that you would enable us to be the people you call us to be, that we would speak the truth in love and in gentleness, and that we would see salvation. Lord, we ask that, that you do a revival this week, that you step in in great might and power, and that lives truly are transformed, and that we follow up expectantly in the week beyond this week, and that we truly believe that you're going to work, Lord. We trust in you, and we ask that you go before us in all of this. In Jesus' name, amen.